the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Pat Williams Power Hour on 94.9 FM and AM 950, The Word. This is your hour when Orlando Magic Senior Vice President Pat Williams sits down and speaks with authors who have written books on topics of interest and insight for listeners like you. And now, here's your host, Pat Williams. Welcome once again, folks, to the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. Uh, Every weekend we gather like this right here at 94.9 FM and AM 950, The Word in Orlando. Uh, As always, once again, forever, uh, Alan Dempsey does the engineering. Oh, he does it well. And Andrew Herdliska is our producer. And Andy McQuitty is our guest, uh, senior pastor at Irving Bible Church since 1987. And we're going to talk about his new book, The Way to Brave, Leading with Courage Against Today's Cultural Wars. Uh, Andy, so nice of you to join me. I, I'm glad we can visit here. How you doing? I'm doing great, Pat. So glad to be with you. Thank you. Why was it important to write The Way to Be Brave, The Way to Brave? Uh, it's a great question, Pat. I believe that we are living in an, a changed America just in the last 10 years from the first 250 years of our nation's founding. And I mean changed in the sense of uh, the religious liberty that Christians have and enjoy. Um, we founded this country as, uh, you know, believers. The Puritans came over, and uh, ever since then, uh, I think Christianity has enjoyed a, an entitled state, if you will, a protected state. Uh, I call it the Pax Americana of Christianity. Uh, but all that's been changing, as you know, in our culture over the last 10 years especially, but really over the last 50 is as the four main institutions in our culture, the, the media, the government, the academy, and the entertainment industry um, have all turned on Christianity, uh, mocking our values and censoring us. And even in the case of uh, this before the Supreme Court right now, but a Christian baker not, uh, not wanting to bake cake against his Christian values, um, we've seen the erosion of Christian freedoms and the, and the onset of some level of persecution, not the level of any of our brothers and sisters in the third world, for sure, but at least starting. And I've had a lot of people in my congregation here uh, asking me, Pastor Andy, where is this headed? What What's going to happen? And, and how do we meet this challenge of a changing America? We're not living in Kansas anymore. And I began to do some research on that question, and I, I believe that what we need more than anything else is courage. We need to have the courage that our elder brothers in faith over the last two millennia have had as they have faced persecution and spiritual opposition in their cultures. And um, I set about uh, searching for models of of that courage in the the scriptures and and came up with David um, in his encounter with the giant Goliath. I'm very interested in the story of 
David's being willing to go and fight the giant whenever Saul and Jonathan, his son, and all the mighty men of Israel were afraid to. Um, notwithstanding the results of the battle, which he won, that's, that's all wonderful, but I'm very curious about how God had prepared that young teenager to be brave, uh, to even step up and face the spiritual opposition of his day. And I found five, five ways that God had prepared David for that, to, to make him brave in facing the spiritual opposition of his culture. Andy, I want, and, to, get, I want to get into those five ways. There are five yeah. sections. The first one, section one, God calls us, and you write about gardens, not walls, and servant exiles. Fill us in on section one. Yes. Uh, each of these five sections, Pat, as, as you say, is, it lays out one of the key principles of preparation. And uh, this first section, um, God Calls Us, is um, taken out of the first step of preparation that, that God enacted in David's life that I believe gave David great courage, and that was that God called him. And as God called David, and in his calling, knowing his calling, it, that he was sure of what he was supposed to do, that gave him courage. So in the New Testament era, now for us as Christians in the church, um, we need to know that God calls us too, and that knowing our calling, what it is we're supposed to do and not do, uh, that will give us courage too as well. So the two chapters in that section, God calls us, uh, Gardens to Not Walls and Servant Exiles really have to do with our posture as, as people called of God in this, in this culture. Are we called? Uh, first of all, what is our calling? Um, in the Old Testament, I believe David's calling was to be king. In 1 Samuel 16, we see Samuel the prophet come and anoint David king. That was his calling, and he knew that calling. Whenever he went over uh, delivering deli sandwiches to his brothers at his father Jesse's behest, and he heard the giant Goliath slandering the God of Israel and the people of Israel. And David had just been anointed king. His, he was called as king, and he knew that his calling as king meant that he was to protect and work for the flourishing of his people. And here was an enemy. Uh, David's calling, clear calling as king, gave him courage to face that enemy. And so I asked the question, okay, what, what is our calling as the church, as Christians in the New Testament era? And I go back into the Old Testament and find out that it's just an extension of God's calling on his Old Testament people. When he called Abraham um, to, to be the father of nations and to bless Abraham so that Abraham could, would be a blessing to the nations, I believe that's our calling as the church in the New Testament as we carry the good news of the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ to the far corners of this world, we are, we are called to be peacemakers, to bring the shalom of the gospel to our world. Um, and that, uh, that has everything to do with uh, posture. We, 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 we carry this good news of the gospel. We create gardens. We don't build walls. We don't, we don't fight people, but we bless people. We're we're like the people that Jeremiah wrote to, the exiled Israelites in Babylon before Christ. When, when Jeremiah wrote to them, he says, uh, pray for the peace of the city where I brought you. And uh, I believe we're supposed to pray for the peace of the city where God has brought us, which is America today, the American church, and to, and to create blessing in pockets of shalom. 
as as servants in exile. Um, this this is a big change for me, Pat. I, you know, I spent many years of, my, especially in the early years of my ministry, uh, really being on the front lines of the culture wars. Man, I was I was politically active and and and, and working working hard to get the right people elected, the right Supreme Court justices. And I, I still I, I do believe that Christians are supposed to be engaged uh, according to our freedoms in the political process. But I was, I was in, actually in, engaged in, in war. And, uh, you know, even to the point of going to jail a couple of times and protesting abortion and so forth. And uh, over the years, I just, you know, I have, it's, it's slowly dawned on me as I've studied the Old and New Testament scriptures that that really, you know, it's it's fine for me to stand up and exercise my rights as a Christian citizen, but my calling as a Christian pastor is not to fight wars. My calling is to be a blessing and to create uh, pockets of shalom in the city where God is, and to pray for the peace of the city where I've come. And so, I and and I found that as I've implemented that, as we've done that here at our church at IBC. Um, in the Dallas area, that that our commitment to that calling to be a blessing and to build gardens and not walls has actually given us a great deal of courage. Because when you're certain of what God has called you to do and be, uh, you have the courage to do and be what God has called you to do. And so uh, that's the first section, is God calls us. Uh, God called David. That gave him courage, knowing our calling in this culture, I believe, will give Christians courage going forward as well. Andy, I want you to get to the second section, but we've got to take a break first. Uh, you bet. When uh, we get back with Andy McQuitty, uh from Dallas, uh, we're going to talk about section two of his book, which is called The Way to Brave. God anoints us, and Andy will explain uh, the wild goose and catch <laughs> catch the wind. So uh, stay with us right here on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. Uh, You're listening to 94.9 FM and AM 950, The Word in Orlando. Uh, We gather every weekend just like this, and we're always very, very pleased uh, when you're with us. Andy McQuitty, Senior Pastor at Irving Bible Church since 1987. Uh, We'll be back with Andy right after this. More of the Pat Williams Power Hour in just a moment on 94.9 FM and AM 950. The Word. Entrepreneurs, mark your calendars for the only business show on Christian radio, Saturday, 2 p.m. Join former Hoverboard CEO, Dr. Roland Roberts, as he interviews world-renowned business owners and takes your calls to answer your most pressing business questions. Brent, welcome to Kingdompreneur Radio. What's your greatest struggle today? Uh, we're a small business out of Orlando here. Uh, we've got a uh, backpack company that we're trying to grow. See what the fuss is all about at www.kingdompreneurradio.com. And join Kingdompreneur Radio with Dr. Roland Roberts every Saturday afternoon, 2 p.m. Eastern on 94.9 FM and AM 950, The Word. Ron Hutchcraft on being a legacy-minded man. Billy Graham said very wisely, when wealth is lost, nothing is lost. When health is lost, something is lost. When character is lost, all is lost. Men, find out how you can leave a legacy that will last past your lifetime at the Transform Conference, April 28th. Become the man God wants you to be. Learn how. Registration is $25. Conference locations and more information available at LegacyMindedMen.org. 
can I help you? Yes, I have a snoring problem. Uh, can you describe it for me, please? Well, it's about five foot eleven with curly hair and a moustache. Oh, I see. Introducing Mute, sleep technology that opens the nose to increase airflow by an average of 38% so you and your partner can enjoy a good night's sleep. Mute. Breathe more, snore less, sleep better. Available now at Walgreens, CVS and GNC. I'm Amy Errett, founder and CEO of Madison Reed, a company that's revolutionizing the way women color their hair, a company I named after my daughter. Madison Reed is the ultimate hair color hack. The quality of a salon, the convenience and affordability of at-home hair color, and an ammonia-free formula with ingredients you could feel good about. Find your perfect shade at madison-reed.com and get 10% off plus free shipping on your first purchase. Use code RADIANTHAIR. You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour on 94.9 FM and AM 950. The Word. Now, once again, here's Pat. Well, as advertised, Andy, Section 2, God anoints us. Uh, Fill us in. Uh, I I take this, Pat, from uh, 1 Samuel 16 again, where the prophet Samuel came to call David to be the next king, the successor to Saul, um, and he anointed him as well at the same time. And in the Old Testament, we know that the anointing uh, only came to prophets, priests, and kings. The anointing was the symbol of the presence of the Holy Spirit. Now, thankfully, in the New Testament era, since the day of Pentecost, all Christians, all believers in churches and, and communities of Christ across the world, we have this anointing of the Holy Spirit. But I'm just convinced that one of the key areas that God prepared David to face Goliath in the Old Testament was in his anointing with the Holy Spirit. And I think as church in America, as we go forward into a a not very hospitable spiritual climate in our country, that we will derive great courage from the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit that is living within us. I I have two chapters on this, and the importance of this, if we as God's people are going to be brave in our culture. And uh, the first chapter I, I entitled The Wild Goose. And this comes, I, my father's an Irishman, Pat. He came over on the boat from Northern Ireland. And so I have a rich Celtic uh, history that I just love. And uh, I've traveled in Ireland often. And, you know, in, in, in Ireland, of course, uh, the Celts, the Celtic Christians going all the way back to St. Patrick uh, had a special word for the Holy Spirit, the wild goose. And I love that. Uh, you know, it's, they, 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 they took the metaphor in the scripture of the dove coming down, you know, as a symbol of the Holy Spirit at Jesus' baptism. And, and, the, and those ancient Celts, you know, uh, like Patrick, who went on very dangerous missions and risked their lives daily, they didn't feel that the dove was a strong enough metaphor for the power of this one who was enabling them, and so they called him the wild goose. And uh, I just believe that as Christians, uh, we have to understand that our strength, our courage, our effectiveness as believers uh, in America in this 21st century is, is going to largely come from the power of the indwelling Holy Spirit within us. And we cannot neglect that. We've got to learn to catch the wind. And that's the second chapter on the Holy Spirit is, you know, how do we harness the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives? 
And uh, that's that's really the metaphor. You know, Jesus said that the spirit is like the wind. We 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 can't see him physically, but we see his effects all around us. He's he's like a wind that's blowing, and our job is not to direct or control him, but simply to raise our sail and uh, benefit by his power to catch the wind as he takes us into these areas of of service for for the glory of God. Uh, I want you to move, Andy, to the third section, Uh, God Breaks Us, and you write about crucible and character and the beautiful broken. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pat, this is this is one of the most uh, controversial, I guess, sections in the book. As I have been uh, doing these interviews all over the country, as people come to this section and they say, um, uh, "Pastor Andy, uh, you, you you can't mean that that God actually breaks us to prepare us to be brave," and. Uh, I say, uh, I, I, I know that sounds a little strange, but yes, that's what I do believe, and I believe it comes right out of the Scripture. You know, in the, Old, in, in the New Testament, uh, Peter says very clearly that God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Um, pride is a huge issue in the human race, and uh, we're very clearly told in Scripture that God does not align himself with those who are he does align himself with those who are humble. Uh, we're all proud. I think it's a problem of, of human nature. And so for God to use us greatly and make us brave and to, and to help us fulfill our calling through the power of the Holy Spirit, one of the key preparations, I believe, in all of our lives is the breaking of our pride. Uh, I see this in the life of David in the Old Testament. Before he ever went to the Valley of Elah and fought Goliath, God had broken his pride as he grew up. I see this happening in David's life through uh, what I call the Old Testament, the original Old Testament Cinderella story. Uh, I believe that David, uh, the youngest of Jesse's sons, was relegated off to the sheep uh, to care for the sheep while all the, his older brothers got to go to the battle. They got to go to the ball to meet the prince while Cinderella David had to stay and take care of the sheep. And there's a lot of theories uh, from ancient Jewish historians about why this could be the case. Uh, They believe that David was an illegitimate son. And that perhaps explains why David in Psalm 51 says, In sin did my mother conceive me. In any case, we know that David was shunted off to the sheep while the rest of the family got to go to the ball. And this was a pattern in his life. Perhaps it was because his father resented him. But the effect of it in David's life was his pride was broken. Um, he, he, he displayed his humility uh, when he stood in the Valley of Elah and spoke with Goliath that day. Goliath, basically, in the pre-battle uh, pitter-patter that went on in those days, said that he was going to feed David to the birds of the air. And David responded, uh, not that he, he, David, would feed Goliath to the birds of the air, but that the God of his fathers would feed Goliath to the birds of the air. David's strength and courage in facing the the giant came from his humility. He had humbled himself. He had been humbled so that he knew that any strength or power he had in facing the giants of his day would only come from God. 
And that's what God wants to do for us too, Pat, I'm convinced, in the church today. We've got to have our pride humbled so that we can go into this battle against spiritual opposition in our world, depending on the power and the gifts and the ability of God and not ourselves. Now, uh, Andy, I want you to get to the fourth section. God tests us, lions and tigers and bears and giants, <laughs> and, and faith stands up. Uh, yeah, yeah. Talk, talk to us. Yeah. Whenever uh, David came up on the battle that day, you'll remember he goes up to King Saul and offers to fight the giant. King Saul's response to David is a very quick, no, you won't do that because he'll take you apart, David, and I don't want to be responsible for that happening on my watch. To which David replies, I don't think he'll take me apart because when I was up there taking care of my father's sheep, I was confronted by lions and bears, and I killed them. God gave me the strength to endure those trials uh, and, and, and therefore to have the confidence now to step up to a greater giant because of the trials that I've already gone through. It's like I write in the book, no self-respecting shepherd would ever consent to fight a giant who had not already killed a lion and a bear. I believe that one of the ways that God prepares David to be brave was by testing him, testing him, testing him. And those tests were fearsome, and they were hard, they were scary, but they had the desired effect. They drove David's confidence and his faith deep. That is something I believe that the New Testament church, especially in America, especially in the last 250 years of our Pax Americana, that we have forgotten is that trials and tests come from God not to harm us, but to make us more steady in our faith and deeper in our commitment to the Lord. Uh, you know, I think uh, largely uh, James' words from James chapter 1, in which he says, My brothers and sisters, when all kinds of trials and temptations come crowding into your lives, do not resent them as intruders, but welcome them as friends, realizing they come to test your faith and to producing you the quality of true goodness. That, that is a truth, and that is a, a step of preparation that I think the, the church in America has largely lost during our days of no opposition. And we're going to have to regain that. We're going to have to learn to benefit from tests and trials and not resent them. And that's what the, that whole section is about, is is embracing these tests, embracing the lions and the tigers and the bears that God sends into our lives. Um, because uh, our, our knee-jerk reaction, I think, is to resent them, to think, you know, God, what, have you forsaken me? Why, why are these bad things happening to us? You're good, you're good people. We, we, we forget that sometimes these are bad things that are happening to us, but they're really good things because they're the lions and the tigers and the bears that God is sending to strengthen our faith. Now we get to the big conclusion here, Andy. Uh, <laughs> section 5, God trains us, and you write about Eat This Book and the people of the book. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, that, that, that springs out of the fifth way that I think God prepared David, is, and, and that is that 
God not only called and anointed, broke and and tested him, but he trained David. He trained him. He gave him large blocks of time when he was with those sheep on the on the hillside, where all he had to do as a teenage boy was take that sling and practice chunking rocks with it. And he got really, really good at that. Um, it's it's said that uh, those ancient slingers were able to knock a pigeon out of flight at 30 yards with a stone the size of a man's fist traveling 100 miles an hour. Those guys were good. David had confidence in his weapon. He was trained in his weapon. So I asked the question, okay, uh, that was David's weapon in the Old Testament. What, what is the only offensive weapon that God speaks of giving to his New Testament people at the church? And, of course, it's Ephesians 6 the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. I believe for us as Christians in America, post-Christendom America, uh, we, must, we must be on the way to brave and gaining courage by a clear sense of what our calling is, the help of the Holy Spirit, having our pride broken, having our faith tested, but also being trained in our weapon. And our weapon is the Word of God. We have to be people of the book. I've been a pastor for many years, and one of the things that has startled me here just recently is is the massive ignorance of the Word of God that even the people of God have in our day. We are, we are the power of the only offensive weapon that God gives us as we go forward in facing the giants of our day, and we just have to get it back. So that's that's what these last two chapters are about, is, is how to study the Word, how to know the Word, how to meditate on the Word, how to inculcate the Word of God into our lives, how to apply it to our lives, and the importance of that in gaining courage as we're walking on this way of brave, which is the way of missionary disciples in the 21st century. Uh, tell me, Andy, uh, what do you want readers of your book to take from it, and... and uh... Also, uh, uh, people who've listened today, uh, what, what do you tell them? I would say this, and thank you for that question, Pat. I would say this, that my heart as a pastor um, is that the church in America, as we enter into some very tumultuous and interesting days of spiritual opposition for our Christian values in America, my heart for Christians in America is that we will gather together in churches in the communities of faith that Jesus set up, and that we will strengthen one another in these five areas of preparation, that we will rehearse with one another what our calling is, that we will share stories of how the Holy Spirit is leading us and blessing us, and how, how He can lead and bless all of us, how we will be helping one another through, through times of brokenness, with encouragement, through times of testing, with the ministry of presence, and that we will gather regularly around the Word of God and learn the Word and apply the Word to our lives. In other words, I think the way to brave, Pat, is Christian discipleship. Christian discipleship happens in the context of the Church. Um, And, uh, you know, I I even have a a quote here at at the end of the book that I'll just, that kind of sums all this up. I say we will be tried, trained, and true believers who strategically know and humbly pursue God's calling and the power of His Holy Spirit 
who has repeatedly defanged serpents and shrunk giants to size. My guest has been Andy McQuitty. We've got more after this on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. It's 94.9 FM and AM 950, The Word in Orlando. More of the Pat Williams Power Hour in just a moment on 94.9 FM and AM 950, The Word. You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour on 94.9 FM and AM 950, The Word. Now, once again, here's Pat. Well, in that first segment, David, Andy McQuitty was with us. Uh, We're glad that he uh, had a chance to stop by. Uh, Dave Ferguson is with us now from Chicago, uh, lead pastor of Community Christian Church. Uh, He's got a book out with Zondervan called Hero Maker, Five Essential Practices for Leaders to Multiply Leaders. Uh, Dave, great to chat with you. How you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me, Pat. Can you expand on hero makers and uh, why that phrase is important? Yeah, we began to do a little bit of homework on uh, uh, kind of churches across the uh, United States. And one of the things we found is that about 80% of all churches are declining. Only 16% are growing. And actually only about 4% ever multiply. And uh, when I talk about multiply, I mean plan a brand-new church or plan a brand-new site or multiply their ministry. And we felt like that observation was really important because multiplication of both disciples and leaders and churches is how the movement happens. And movement, I think, is how the Jesus mission gets accomplished. And so as we looked at those churches that are actually reproducing and multiplying, we noticed that within those churches, the leaders in those churches, whether it's at a smaller scale in a small group or a... uh, missional community, or even at a larger scale, the senior leadership, those leaders had uh, certain essential practices that they did over and over and over again. Um, and then we also began to discover those in the life and leadership of Jesus. But uh, in a phrase, as we were just kind of talking about those, all these practices, the overarching kind of conversation, someone, a, a friend of mine kind of spoke up and he said, you know what they are. These are people who aren't trying to be the hero. These are people who aren't trying to always be in the spotlight, but instead they're trying to make heroes of others. And then somebody else kind of coined the phrase, said, yeah, they're hero makers. And mm. it just really, it really clicked that it's a different kind of leader that is a uh, multiplying leader, a movement-making leader, and we call them hero makers. Dave, I want you to talk about how you open your book. It's simply called Jesus Leadership Secret. Uh, I'm eager to hear that. Yeah, I think one of the things that we see in the life of Jesus, uh, he says this really strange thing in John fourteen twelve, where he, he looks at his closest followers and he says, I tell you the truth, the things that I've been doing, you're going to do them. And then he takes it even further. And imagine that he can actually stay in this, I mean, just average working class folks. He says, you're going to do even greater things. And essentially, here he is discipling them. And he's saying, listen, you're going to reach more people than me. You're going to go to the more places with the gospel than me. You're going to catalyze this movement, not me. He's telling them, you're going to want to be the ones who write the best-selling book, the Bible, not me. And in so many words, he's, he was saying, hey, I'm going to make you the heroes of this movement. And so basically, if you look at his life, he poured his life into just really about 12 folks who were the heroes of this movement that now you know, has 2.2 billion adherents globally. Dave, in that first part, you... Uh... Uh, you write about the wrong questions and the right questions, and then leading as a hero maker. Uh, I want you to cover all that. Sure. 
I think well, I think there's been a predominant question that a lot of church leaders have probably asked maybe over the last 40 years. And the predominant question that most church leaders have asked, they wake up every morning going like, how do I grow my church? How do I grow my church? And um, I won't go into it because we go into it in the book, but there's at least four things that are wrong with that question. Uh, how do I, not I, it's we. How do we do this together? Grow, growing good. Okay, healthy things grow, but we don't want to just grow to kind of create uh, seeding capacity as we do in many of our churches, but we want to grow to create sending capacity, to send people out. So let's change it to multiply. And so the better question that we're challenging churches to ask, instead of how do I just grow my own local church, is instead how do we multiply God's kingdom? Um, use a sports analogy. Uh, instead of playing for the name of your own name on the back of the jersey, you start playing for the name, the team's name that's on the front of your jersey. And, I mean, you, you, well, you know as well as anybody that when an individual is just playing for themselves instead of playing for the team, you're never successful. Well, it's important now to move on, and this is the meat of your book, Dave. Five Essential Practices of Hero Making. Uh, let's start with the first one, Multiplication Thinking. And the tool, you say, is the Dream Napkin. Uh, you're going to have to explain that. <laughs> sure. Um, I remember I had a, uh, I was sitting in a workshop, and uh, the guy said, I want you to take your current dream. And, and I was thinking about my current dream, as, and, and I, had, I was thinking, how do I grow my church? The wrong question, really. And I was thinking, I want to have a church of 1,000 people. But then the guy said this, now I want you to multiply your dream by a million. And all of a sudden I said, a thousand times a million. And all of a sudden I had a, a billion people, a billion people. And then he said this, he said, now I want you to figure out how you can make that dream happen. Mm. And all of a sudden what it did for me is it made me kind of realize I can't do this on my own. My church can't do it on its own. I'm going to need to invest in lots of leaders, collaborate with a lot of different folks, work across denominations, all those kinds of things to make this happen. And so one of the the tools that we give in this book, the Dream Napkin, is we tell people, take your current dream, think about your current dream. Instead of going to a million, we kind of bring it a little more down to earth. We say, now multiply it times 100 and write it, just write it out on the back of a napkin and keep that with you somewhere. And every day, ask God, how do I make that dream happen? And what multiplication thinking does is it moves you from just thinking that um, the difference making that I'm called to do just happens through my leadership, but instead, you begin to think, no, it's going to happen to multiply leaders, as I invest in other leaders, leaders who multiply other leaders. It's, it's a really important first practice, this multiplication thinking. Here's the second practice. It's called permission giving, a tool, an ICNU conversation. Yeah, I love this one. Uh, I remember I was uh, probably junior high camp, and uh, way back in the day when I was a kid, and a guy named Dennis Gamoff, was at camp. And Dennis Gamoff had been a high school All-American in basketball, played at Purdue University, and I was in awe of Dennis Gamoff. And we just finished playing softball. I was walking back to the cafeteria area, and all of a sudden, this big hand's on my shoulder. And I turn around, and there's Dennis Gamoff. And I, and I still remember this, okay? I mean, this has been years now. And I remember Dennis saying to me, saying, Dave, I see in you somebody who could be a really good leader. I still remember that, mm. that conversation. And, I, and, and we tell in the book, the simple tool we give people, we said, is what we call the four most important letters of the alphabet. And here's the four most important letters, I-C-N-U. And we encourage people to have what we call I-C-N-U conversations. Have those with your kids, have with the guys that you're 
the, the, the dudes you're coaching, have them with the people in your church, have them with the people you're disciple, disciple and say, hey, I see this in you, and call out the gifts that you see in them and help them see in themselves something maybe they don't see themselves. Really, really important hero-making practice. Hey, Dave, what are those letters again? I see... In you. Four most important letters of the alphabet. No, is we have it... what we call I see in you conversations. So is that in you? Is that going to be just an N? Or is that That's exactly right? So we just use yep. an N there. I see then N in you. Okay. Right. Uh, in other words, I see potential there. Is that what you're saying? Absolutely. And the hero maker begins to look out across, around the people that God's put in their lives, and they begin to see the potential, the dreams that God's placed in their lives. And they have these what we call I see in you conversations that uh, call out those dreams and those possibilities. Uh, third practice, disciple multiplying, and the tool are five steps of apprenticeship. That's exactly right. One of the things that we, uh, uh, as we begin to work on the book, we begin to look at the life and leadership of Jesus. And what we discovered is that when you take a look at how much time he spent with the crowd versus how much time he spent with uh, kind of the, the few, the 12, he actually spent 73% of his time in the Bible, in the Gospels, with the disciples, and, and, and only, what, 27% with the crowd. And so we challenge leaders to say, you know what, <laughs> if you're really going to be a, a, a hero maker, this disciple multiplying is so crucial. But the way it happens is, yeah, you dream big, okay, dream big, that's the multiplication thinking, but you have to start small. And you start small by spending a little bit of time with the few. Um, and in the book, The Simple Tool, The Five Steps of Apprenticeship, basically uh, the first step starts with I do and then you watch, and then we get to talk about it. And then it goes all the way to the, the, the last step where you do, <laughs> and I watch, and then we talk about it. And it takes them through a process of, really, what do you actually do to actually multiply a disciple? It's a very simple tool, but super effective. Dave, I wonder who did those percentages, 73%, 27%. Uh, who figured that out? Well, my co-author is a guy named Warren Bird, who, uh, who lives out in uh, Princeton who's one of the premier researchers that we have in the church today. And uh, so uh, there was some of the practical stuff as far as leadership that I actually brought to the book, mm -hmm. and then some of the research Warren brought, and Warren's the one who did the homework on that. Uh, here's the fourth uh, practice, gift-activating, you call it, Dave, and the tool is commissioning. Yep. Gift-activating is when you finally get through the apprenticeship, when you finally have discipled someone and they're ready for a new level of leadership and you're ready not just to keep them close, but actually to send them out on their own, we encourage people to actually have a blessing. And the whole idea of a blessing is a really simple idea, this commissioning, is you lay your hand on them appropriately, and then you say a prayer of sending them out. And, uh, and that becomes kind of this marker event, this ceremony, it's almost like uh, what an ordination would be to a pastor, but for a leader, this commissioning is this laying on of hand, just like they did in the New Testament, praying for them and then sending them out, and it fully activates their gifts. Say, you know what? You're prepared. I believe in you. Now you go get them. And now the fifth essential practice of hero making, it's called kingdom building, and the tool is a simple scoreboard. Yep. This last practice is kind of the culmination. And, and, and there's a shift that happens when you become a hero maker where instead of just counting who's showing up at my thing, like my small group or my ministry or how many people are showing up at my church, instead what you count is how many people am I sending out to do God's thing? How many people actually sending out mobilizing 
to, to make a difference according to the gifts that God's given them. And there's a big change in that. And so in the book, we give them a really simple tool that everybody could use that basically just counts how many current apprentices do you have, people that you're investing in, and then what's your cumulative total apprentices over a lifetime. And uh, if, as we already talked about, if Jesus really just invested in a few at a time, but intensely did so, and if we would do the same, over the time, you begin to see kind of J-curve kind of growth in leadership development and multiplication as everybody else does the same. So we encourage, again, count your number of apprentices currently and total, and we actually give them a simple scorecard that they can actually, that they can actually use. Uh, on the other side of the break, which comes up in a couple of minutes, Dave, uh, we're going to get into your third part, uh, Hero Makers Get Results. I am curious uh, how your book is being received. Sure. What's happening? Well, so far it's been it's done very very well. Um, we've been at, it's been out for about uh, five weeks, and every week it's uh, by God's grace it's either made the bestseller list or the uh, brand new release list. And um, we actually had a conversation even this morning about uh, this. While this book is written primarily at a leadership level, um, I've been talking to Zondervan about now. The next step is like maybe we need to write something on hero making that's really at a, a very popular level about how everybody can multiply their own influence and uh, so that's kind of a next step and we're excited about that dave tell me about your church uh community christian church what's what's happening there yeah love to uh myself and my brother john a few friends from college i moved back to chicago started the church and um just from scratch with a passion to help people find their way back to god and uh we uh are now, by God's grace, we're at 11 locations. We just opened up our 11th location about uh, two months ago. And um, the other thing that we're doing, in addition to opening up locations across the Chicagoland area, is we started something called Community Freedom. We're actually getting to plant churches in prisons, and uh, we're looking at opening up our third and fourth location for that in the next couple months. Um, so you can see that, I mean, this idea of multiplication and hero-making is something that's pretty near and dear to all of our hearts, and uh, we're excited about what how God's using that. Who pastors all these churches? Well, one of the things that we've done, and we've done this over the years, is I am the lead pastor, but then each of our local, uh, lo- our local uh, churches in Chicago area have their own community pastor. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I'll, I will um, kind of teach or... Uh, maybe sometimes even on video, be be at, at some of the different locations. But the primary, what we call the face with the place, is their local community pastor. And I'm I'm kind of there to be, if I'm doing it right, candidly, I'm being the hero maker. I'm doing everything I possibly can to try to make those local pastors successful. Dave Ferguson is an author of Hero Maker. Uh, we've got another segment with Dave uh, right after these messages on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. Uh, This is 94.9 FM and AM 950, The Word, in Orlando, Florida. We'll be right back after this. More of the Pat Williams Power Hour in just a moment on 94.9 FM and AM 950, The Word. Hi, I'm Barbara Sandbeck, your host on Grace Notes, a 15-minute program that contains biblical teaching and a wide variety of music. Some of the subjects we address are why do we have trials and cultivating intimacy with God. You can listen right here on WTLN every Sunday at 2.45 p.m. Can't catch the whole broadcast? Visit 
visit our podcast on the web 24-7 on WTLN.com. So tune in. You won't want to miss it. Hi, I'm Steve Lash with Bluebird Cars. Did you ever wish you could order your almost new or late model vehicle? And it would be correct. The solution? Blue Book Cars. Blue Book Cars is part of an approved, authorized, elite dealer network with nationally known banks, lease companies, and finance corporations, allowing us to buy their pre-auction, first-rated vehicles. These vehicles are inspected by our certified hands-on buyers. They also have extensive condition reports, with some being certified, but all with a complete auto check history report. One company alone has over 30 1,000 vehicles available. The vehicles offered are premium and off-leased, corporate cars, and even inspected repos, some less than 500 miles. Remember, you get the premium vehicles before they're offered at the auction, saving you days or weeks of searching. The best part is you see multiple pictures and condition reports and listed equipment sent direct to your computer or phone. We have thousands of satisfied customers and 43 years of good business ethics. Blue Book Cars, 407-321-0741. We're saving you money. Blue Book Cars, the official sponsor of your daily commute. Hi, welcome to PostNet. How can we help you? Okay, well, I need 2,000 business cards, 5,000 pamphlets, and 35 table signs with a fold. And I need them shipped to Miami by tomorrow. Can you help me? Of course we can. At PostNet, we offer shipping via FedEx, UPS, the U.S. Postal Service, and DHL. And we support small businesses with printing, direct mail, designing custom logos, brochures, and more. We do it all here at PostNet. That sounds great. Let's do this. PostNet, Altamont Springs at Montgomery and State Road 434. Online at PostNet.com. You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour on 94.9 FM and AM 950. The Word. Now, once again, here's Pat. Dave Ferguson is with us from Chicago, and we're talking about his book, Hero Maker. Uh, Dave, we've arrived uh, here at part three, Hero Makers Get Results. Uh, I've got four uh, questions for you, or four discussion points. Uh, The first one is the influence of hero making. Uh, Fill us in on that. I think one of the things that that uh, is kind of a big picture uh, is is we did look at uh, churches across the landscape uh, of, of the United States, and we saw only four percent of all churches ever multiply, ever start a brand new church or brand new site. Uh, part of our prayer and kind of a big picture vision is how do we move that needle from four percent to five percent to six, eight, nine, ten percent? Um, fundamentally, we believe that the church is God's instrument for changing the world. I think it's also the greatest source of social capital in our communities for making a difference and restoring things the way God meant for them to be. And the more healthy churches that we have out there, I think the better our culture and our society is going to be. So we're, we're doing everything we can. We feel like hero-making at a leadership level is how to make that happen. Uh, one of the most encouraging pieces of research, though, that I've run across recently, uh, and again, this is my, my partner and co-author, Warren Bird. Uh, the one who discovered this, is now 83%, 83% of younger pastors, pastors in their 20s and 30s and growing churches, say that part of their vision for the future is starting new churches. And um, I think that's been a huge, significant shift in, our, in church leadership over the last five to ten years. And uh, part of what I feel obligated to do is how do I help uh, give them tools so they can make that vision actually happen? Um, and if that happens, I think a real shift in the spiritual landscape in the United States is possible. I'm excited about that. Uh, next topic, the tensions of hero-making. What's that about? Yeah. <laughs> it's, well, here's the thing. I mean, 
you know, on a conversation like this, uh, we keep moving pretty fast and we make it sound fairly simple, but there's real, there's, there's real tensions that are involved. We decide to be a hero making leader and a hero making church. Um, uh, in the words of my friend, Andy Stanley, these are not tensions to be resolved, but tensions to be managed. Uh, like one tension is, okay, if I'm going to be this multiplying leader or particularly a multiplying church, how do I focus on what I'm doing here, but also go and start something over there and then there and then there? And when you're talking about allocation of people, allocation of resources, allocation of time, there's a tension. Um, but I think we're supposed to live in that tension. I mean, the last thing Jesus said before he left planet Earth, he said to his followers, hey, I want you to start in Jerusalem but then go over there to Judea and over there to Samaria and over all the way over there to the ends of the earth. So I think this is a tension that we have to live in and, and a tension to be managed, not resolved, of kind of like doing ministry both here, but also thinking about the next thing we're going to help start over there. And now I want you to talk about a culture of hero-making. Yeah. Well, I, I'm a huge believer in the power of culture. I think uh, a lot of leaders have a preoccupation with things like vision and certain tools, and those are important. But culture is this thing that works 24-7 for you. Culture is something that reinforces your values all the time, nonstop. And uh, in the book, we give actually seven real practical steps for creating a hero-making culture. But one of the early steps I encourage leaders with, uh, and your listeners in particular, is you have to do it yourself first. Leaders, you are the primary culture creator. Um, if you are being a hero maker, you'll create a hero making culture. Re you reproduce who you are. Um, I had one guy say it a little harsh, more harshly. He said this. He said, you'll get the culture you deserve. And uh, so if you want to see hero making happen, you, the best thing you can do as a leader is try to create a hero making culture. And now the topic is a secret to be shared. And we kind of wrap it up the book with uh, with this idea that um, what we really discover, I think, in the life of Jesus is that yes, he was our hero. He stretched in his arms and he died on the cross, no doubt about it. But if you look closely at his life and his leadership, what he did in practice was he was a hero maker, investing himself in just a handful of leaders who would then multiply themselves in the lives of others, who would multiply themselves in the lives of others, who would still multiply themselves in the lives of others. And I think as we look closely at Jesus, we discover, or maybe I should say we rediscover the secret in, in how to be a great leader, that anybody can be a great leader. And um, this is not the kind of secret that you keep quiet about, but instead, no, this is the kind of secret that needs to be shared broadly over and over and over and over again. Dave, you um, have an afterword in your book, A Call to Action, by Oscar Murray. Who is he? Pastor Oscar is the senior pastor at Nairobi Chapel uh, Church in, uh, in Kenya, Africa, who um, together we lead a, a network of new churches that, uh, called uh, New Thing. It's about 1,500, almost 1,600 churches globally now. And um, candidly, I mean, I, I, wrote the, I wrote the book, the manuscript, but then I sent it to Oscar because my experience has been, as you have it viewed through the lens of other leaders, and particularly leaders of, uh, in other cultures, um, they... They, um, they offer some insights that you wouldn't have otherwise. And to be honest with you, he read the first manuscript, and he said, this is really good, but one of the things you need to do, Dave, you need, you need to really challenge leaders that if they're going to be hero makers, they have to first die to themselves, just like Jesus did. You have to die to your own success. 
And so I had to kind of go back to the book and really kind of weave that through there. And um, he was such a help, and it has been such a help to me personally that I asked him if he would write this uh, call to action uh, as the afterward. And he was, and I was honored when he said yes to doing that. Dave, what do you want people to do now? I would love uh, for your listeners to uh, to actually check out the book. I think it could be a tremendous help to them personally, and particularly those of those that are leaders. I think it could be a great help to them to really multiply their influence. They can. Uh, they can go to our landing page at uh, herobook.org, herobook.org. And, of course, um, you can get it on Amazon or other places. And, um, and if I could be of help to them, my email is uh, daveferguson at communitychristian.org, daveferguson at communitychristian.org. Um, I would love to help them begin to apply this or any other way that I can help them or their organization. Dave, what do you think uh, Zondervan will want you to do with this next book? I think one of the things, I've already had, oh, I mean, I think over 20 churches contact me about doing a teaching series on this. And I think uh, while we wrote this really more for leaders, I think the next, I think the next application is going to be how do you actually apply these principles that we see in the life and leadership of Jesus to the everyday people and making disciples. And uh, I think what's probably coming next is probably a shorter, uh, a shorter edition of the book that can also be used uh, for teaching probably in a six-week series in, uh, to staff teams, but also to churches uh, broadly. I'm excited about that. Dave, what do you think Jesus' greatest strength was as a leader? Uh, I think he was willing to lay down his life for the people around him. Um, I'll tell you what, when, and, and you know this, and I think even from sports too, when you have someone whose greatest desire is for the other and for the others and not for themselves. That's the kind of person you want to follow. And um, that's who he was. Well, I encourage people, Dave, uh, as they're reading through the New Testament or the, the Gospels, uh, read them uh, studying Jesus as a leader as you go along. Does that make sense to you? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, he's a. Pro- I mean, if you take away the divinity part of it, okay, which of course we can't, but if you would, I mean, is there a greater leader in history? When you think about it, he starts this cause that's motivated purely by grace and love to make the world a better place, and here it is 2,000 years later, and he has, you know, over 2 billion people who claim to follow him. I mean, that is a profound, profound influence. Um, and so if, if you're a leader and you're interested in, in influence and spreading your influence and movement making, I mean, at the very least, he's got to be a case study. <laughs> yeah, that's fascinating. Dave, I'm so glad we could visit. Uh, your book is valuable. There are many, many leadership books out there. I think this is one of the more important ones. And uh, I'm really glad that we could visit. Well, uh, thank you for letting me use your platform. And uh, I mean, you're being a hero maker to me today. So thank you, Pat. Dave Ferguson, our guest, lead pastor of Community Christian Church in Chicago, and we spoke about his book, Hero Maker, Five Essential Practices for Leaders to Multiply Leaders. Well, we've got a wrap-up right after this on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour here on 94.9 FM and AM 950, The Word, in Orlando, Florida. More of the Pat Williams Power Hour in just a moment on 94.9 FM and AM 950. The Word.
Have you racked up more than $10,000 in credit card debt? Are you barely getting by, making minimum payments? You should know. The credit card companies are tricking you into thinking there's no way out. Credit card companies would rather you didn't know that there are ways you can become debt-free and you don't have to pay the entire amount you owe. There are debt relief programs that help people like you escape overwhelming credit card debt. National Debt Relief has helped tens of thousands of people just like you reduce more than $500 million of debt. National Debt Relief has helped so many people, they're A-plus rated by the Better Business Bureau. You don't have to declare bankruptcy or take out a consolidation loan. You have the right to settle your debt for a mere fraction of what you owe. Reduce a large portion of your debt now. Call National Debt Relief at 800-694-7394. 800-694-7394. That's 800-694-7394. You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour on 94.9 FM and AM 950. The Word. Now, once again, here's Pat. Thanks so much for joining us, folks, here on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. In the first segment, Andy McQuitty was our guest. Enjoyed chatting with Andy. And then Dave Ferguson plugged in from Chicago, and we got a chance to talk to him about his uh, new book called Hero Maker. Uh, Please visit my website. It's patwilliams.com. The Twitter page is Orlando Magic Pat. And my latest book is out. It's called Coach Wooden's Forgotten Teams. Uh, We take a look at the great coach John Wooden and the summer camps that he ran for many years and so many valuable lessons uh, to be learned from Coach Wooden. The book's in bookstores now up on Amazon. Wonderful way to order books. We'll be back next weekend, folks, for more right here on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. You're listening to 94.9 FM. And AM 950, The Word. Thank you for joining us for this week's edition of the Pat Williams Power Hour. Join us again next week at the same time where faith comes by hearing. 94.9 FM and AM 950, The Word. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.